If you ever heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record, record and edit your podcast and write from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. All right, you ready? Yes, sir. Um, welcome to the Rod Unfiltered Podcast. I got Frank Apostle Posco on the show. How you doing, Frank? I'm good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me. Man, I appreciate you being on my show, man, to be honest with you. All right, my question, my first question is, what made you make the transition from, because I remember you, you know, trying to be a pro wrestler, getting a pro wrestling business. What made you make the transition to MMA? So after I departed from my wrestling dream, it was, there was like a big void in my life for like three months. And mm-hmm. I had like talked to some close friends and a little bit of family and they were like, you've always wanted to do MMA. Like, why don't you give it a shot? And I thought to myself, I am young. And, you know, I was like, I don't see where, why not? So I did my research and looked around some schools and uh, the rest is really history. Okay. Why did you choose uh, Bel Air? BJJ, because there's so many schools out there in Harford County. Hello? Hello? Am I here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think my phone, my phone blacked out, I think, is what happened. Sorry about that. Okay. I said, what made you choose Bel Air BJJ? Uh, so the reason I picked Bel Air BJJ is because uh, I was actually originally going to pick uh, Ground Control Bel Air because I hadn't really been, like, keeping in touch with, like, all the Harper County MMA people. And mm-hmm. – um, I just wasn't really sure like where to go or who to go once I like pulled up to ground control Bel Air one day and learned there was no more ground control Bel Air. And I hit up Kyle Ole and we had talked a little bit and he said, you want to uh, try this place, which was Bel Air BJJ and MMA. And I went to the school and I've just kind of liked the atmosphere and the people and it was the right choice. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I like Sergio. He's really knowledgeable knowledgeable and nice person overall. Absolutely. But um so for a training camp, do you normally train um gi or no gi primarily? I do it all. Um for a long time I hadn't put on a gi an entire year when I had uh, first signed up. And then I after my first amateur loss, I kind of like sat back and thought to myself like what could I do? And then like one day or not one day, but in that moment, I remember I saw someone with a gi and I'm like, I need to start doing gi. And then someone tried to tell me that doing gi doesn't really matter. But I was like, well, it's more mat time. And, you know, it's just like, at the time, I was just kind of like, why not? And honestly, I fucking love gi. Like, during training camp or no training camp, it's time on the mat. Like, I- I'll fucking yeah. put a gi on. It doesn't bother me at all. It's like, 
plus you get like an extra sweat anyway with exactly it's more mat time so you know like i don't know how people think that doing geese like uh not beneficial play. for me it's like the play nobody right. really want to put the on. um right. gradually how long does it take you after like a fight to really recover and go back to the mat or you just go straight back it, uh, it really depends on how the fight goes i've been super fortunate to where like i've came out like victorious or even in some losses and have been able to step right back on the mat when it's a loss i kind of like to give myself honestly two to three weeks just to kind of like not dwell so much because i know if i go right back in the gym i'm gonna bring like the wrong intent of like I'll, I'll probably be maybe like a little emotional not too emotional but just like i'll think about it too much like and i don't think that's just like normally a good idea if uh if the fight goes good, I'm normally back in there right away, but I usually take off two to three weeks anyway, mainly to catch up with like family members and stuff. Oh, that's what's up. Um, for let's say what's what what's the normal training schedule for Posco? So do you, go get, do you grapple first the first half and box the next, or how do you really set up so, your training schedule? Uh, pretty much my training is uh, not a hard formula to follow. After I get off work at UPS, I head pretty much straight to the gym right when it opens. And depending on like what we're going over today, I just kind of go with the flow. It's mostly grappling in the morning. Like I always at least get one gi class in and one striking class in. And then sometimes mm -hmm. it'll be like uh, just like no gi. On Fridays, it's uh, strictly MMA. And mm -hmm. uh, Saturday, I use his recovery. And then Sunday's open mat. So I always like, I'm always like thinking about like new combinations or new transitions I can use in grappling or I'm always like thinking. So I'm always like constantly evolving when I'm at the gym. So I don't really do it like set as in like a, this day's boxing, this day's wrestling. Like it's just like every day is kind of everything and whatever's working, I'm going to keep using and whatever I need to work on, I work on. It's just a matter of recognizing what your weaknesses and strengths are really. I've been noticing you've been trying to mix up the takedowns. I was like, man. If he gets that down, it's going to be like Damian Maya is. You know what I mean? Like, right. If he gets some kind of takedowns with your, you know, your already established grapple, you know what I mean, Brazilian game you already have, it'd be nice. Right. You know what I, I mean? Oh, my God. You have no idea, man. It's it's honestly kind of like it's ironic. It's been amazing how I've, I've never in any of my fights, if you watch all of them, I've actually never successfully gotten a takedown. I've been taken down multiple times, but I've never taken anyone down and every time i've tried i've gotten sprawled well i guess i did get one takedown in my third amateur fight but uh mm -hmm. like it was like up against the cage kind of and like the kid fucking rocked the shit out of me and i was like oh my god and i remember just thinking just take him down and, like if you watch the video like i was like he like sprawled so far out before i even touched him it was mm -hmm. like it kind of like ended up benefiting but any other takedown i've ever tried in my fights it's just you know like it's never really but I, I I have noticed that like a lot of Brazilian players, Brazilian BJJ players are scared to learn takedowns. Like I, I feel like pulling guard is not always going to work. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, you got to know how to, even if it's like a little sweep, do something. You know what I mean? For sure. I, just, I hate butt scooting. I hate butt scooting. I hate to sound like an old person. I hate butt scooting. Right, but. right. Yeah, there, there are plenty of those. I can't, I don't like them in competitions either. But people are gonna do what they gotta do to win the, to win their fight. So, yeah, exactly. But um, what have you been doing during the pandemic? You've been doing grappling tournaments or 
Um, so the only during the pandemic, I actually kind of I'm not proud to say this, but I fell off the wagon for a little bit. Not like I oh. was it wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound. Actually, it was just kind of like mm -hmm. the first month. Honestly, I took the pandemic as a vacation because it was it was like all work and like no play and the schools were shut down. So like there wasn't really anywhere I could go. And I, I honestly recently like had just got into like in-home training like i just never did it before it was always hard for me to like concentrate like working out at my house because i just get distracted or there's just something that needs to be done or you know i have a cat it's just it's just things like that, that that's just like i just like being in like a in a place which is bel air bjj like being in a building where like i know i can 100 stay focused but uh yeah during the pandemic i honestly was just kind of like really enjoying myself like would just work all the time and then when i had my one off day just kind of like have a drink here and there but then i kind of went a little bit too hard with it but i was able to bring myself back really quick so I w it wasn't like one of those things where i really fell off and just stopped training completely like that's not what happened it was just uh it was really just like you know like we all went through a really hard time and like like i mean everybody has been going through a hard time with this pandemic and it affected everybody differently exactly. So like me, like my outlet was like, well, screw it. Like to me, this was like a vacation, like getting paid the most I've ever been paid to go to work and do everything I had to yeah. do. Cause like I was what people would consider essential at the time. So it was really great. But then I was starting to pick up that I was getting kind of like uh, slow and just not like being more responsible as I should have been. But since that, like I've been able to uh, pick my, pick myself back up in a sense. And plus one day I actually just reached out to the professor and see what we were doing. And then we ended up just doing a, a lot of like training. Like sometimes I would go over there to like get some uh, mitt work in and stuff like that. But now it wasn't like too long uh, because then the schools actually ended up uh, being able to open and proceed. So it worked out. Okay. Uh, I, I know it was everything. Everybody was distracted with this pandemic, but, um, what uh? What was your your nerves like on your first fight? Was you really nervous or yeah? Oh, just like yeah. man, you know, honestly, going in, I'm actually glad you asked me that. Uh, going into my first fight was terrifying in a lot of other ways because I felt like after pro wrestling not working out, I honestly felt like a fool because like I knew like a lot of people just in general where like people wanted me to succeed, but I think a lot of people in like hindsight or like low key were expecting me to fail. So when I took mm -hmm. up MMA, I think a lot, like other than like very few close friends and like family, I think everybody kind of looked at that like he's fucked up as a wrestler and he's going to get his ass whooped in this fight. And if I'm being honest, if I probably didn't win that day, I honestly probably wouldn't have done it again. Cause like I was in wow. a really like bad spot and like just kind of like, felt discouraged like I felt like it honestly felt like a UFC title fight to me that day because I've done backyard fighting and been in like other fights with people and stuff like that so to me that was like a really fucking big deal to make sure like I would go in and just try to win the fight but not even just winning the fight what was more crazy on top of that just having not not even a pro fight but a fucking amateur fight I'm getting messages mm -hmm. from people I've never met saying I'm gonna get my ass whooped and like people like just saying Damn. yeah I got like some hate messages being like you're gonna get fucked up you and the you, the idea of you fighting in a cage is hilarious like things like Damn. that. oh yeah like I, I I heard it all and I and I don't really know where it came from but at the same time it was weird because I also got positive messages too from people I never even met saying hey like good luck on your first fight like you know and stuff but I'm like this is 
I'm, I even thought to myself, do all MMA fighters go through this? I was like, and not even MMA fighters, but like amateur MMA fighters. Like it was just very weird. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. so honestly the pressure was on like for real, like it, it felt like the day I walked in there, like to when we left the building, it, it just felt like a lot was on the line, honestly. So, like, I know from my first, you know what I mean? I've been doing this for seven years. You know, I had a little hiatus. Right. But I feel like when you're really in there, when that door closes, it's like, it's hard to hear your coaches. Oh, my God. You know yeah. what I mean? When motherfuckers say, kick that motherfucker in the face. You know what I mean? It's hard oh, to yeah. understand what your coaches are saying. How was you able to tune in and listen to your coach? So in the first fight, um, in the first round, the first. I, I, I actually, in the first round, I think I was super attentive and I did everything professor would want me to do. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I think just the idea that it was my first cage fight. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't like, I was just trying to make sure like, don't, don't do anything like that professor wouldn't want to see you do. Like try to listen. Don't, don't, don't try to come up with your own ideas. Like, try to stick to the game plan. Like that was kind of my mindset. But then like, uh, I remember like we were getting up uh, and by we, I mean myself and my opponent, I were like kind of getting up to our feet. And I just remember hearing it was professor or Tom, one of the two were saying now, 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 now. And I'm thinking, I don't know what the fuck now means, but I'm going to throw something. So I threw a head kick and it landed. And I remember when it landed, it like, he like just looked at me and everyone was like, did you know you had rocked him? I said, no, I'd never rocked anyone in my entire life with it. I've never hit anyone in the head with my foot ever. And so when it happened, I thought, holy shit, he took the head kick like a champ. And then when I threw my jab out, before my jab barely touched his face, he fell to the ground. So I guess he was rocked pretty bad. Like, I, I honestly, like, I really didn't recognize it at the time. But, uh, yeah, hearing the coaches was hard. The second round, uh, I actually didn't listen to anything that Professor Wartom had really told me because I remember going in the round two trying to uh, touch his glove Said like you know just be like all right round two let's do it you know but he swung over my hands and i was just like you know what man like i don't know what your problem with me is but in my head i was like fuck you i'm gonna come at you and i'm gonna beat the shit out of you that was exactly what went through my head so the whole second round that's why it was like chaos because i was just trying to hurt him I, I there was even parts in that fight i said i don't give a fuck if i lose i just want to make sure that you walk out of here hurt and like it was just like i he just made me so fucking mad with the way he carried himself but I mean, yeah. And then the third Yo, round. You was on him like a spider monkey. You was on him like a spider monkey. Yeah. Well, like, I said, he's about to put a, a body triangle on him and choke the fuck out. I said, yo, that was some real shit. I never see like a body triangle in the amateur match right. like that. Right. That's what I it's, heard from a lot of different people. But um, what's my next question? Who would you love to fight next that for your first pro fight? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I already got my answer, but I'm gonna let you answer it. Okay. Uh, for my first pro fight, you know, I would. I don't know. Like, it's kind of, it's just too early to really. There's no one I would particularly want to call out, but I think the fight that genuinely makes sense. Uh, I think his record is two and zero, oh, if I'm not mistaken. But it has to be Kasim Ruffin. It has to be just because, like, Kasim and I kind of mm -hmm. like. We're not like, I wouldn't call us best friends, but we de there's definitely a profound respect for each other. And I've always felt uh -huh. that vibe from him. And uh, he's even uh -huh. hit me up trying to get him and I on the same card to fight each other. And I was never, the mm -hmm. only time I was ever opposed to it, which was like, maybe when I first had heard of him and he had me messaged me when we were both amateurs still, because I like saw mm -hmm. his videos. I'm like, I'm not like going to fight this fucking dude. He's like,
to definitely be Kasim Ruffin. Sorry about that. My phone keeps. Yeah, it's all right, man. Um, but can I tell you my personally, my personal sure. pick for you? Because I was on the same card okay. as you for my first okay. fight. I would like to see you against Cody Matthews again. That would be nice. That I would love to actually have that rematch. That would be really cool. I, I would really like that. Because I think I, I seen the like little videos I've seen. I think you changed as a fighter. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but I think you are a different fighter I, I, now. Well, uh, the the fight with that now now and I'm this is no um, I'm not taking anything away from Cody Matthews in our first fight. He won fair and square, and mm-hmm. that's how it is. But mm-hmm. what bothers me about that fight was that um, we were mm-hmm. the third last fight on the card, and I remember being at cage side, ready to step in the octagon, and I'm told don't go in. By, by somebody and I'm like, well, why not? And they're like, well, the paramedics had to take the last guy because uh, the fight before someone got knocked out really bad and uh, mm-hmm. and they took him to the hospitals and there were no EMTs present. So then I remember, I think it was like Big Tom asked me, he was like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I've never been a part of, I've never had something like this happen to me before. Like, what the hell do you do? And he was like, do you want to go to the back? I'm like, I guess. And then what they kept telling me was, uh, it'll just be another five minutes. And we were like, okay. So we were like trying to stay warmed up, ready to do the walkout again. They effed up the walkout song twice. And like, you know, and, but they kept saying five more minutes, a whole hour went by, man. I'm just, and like, I, 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 yeah. I was there. I was, it was there. a long time. I was the last right. one. I was the last right. one. Like I didn't, I wasn't even motivated to really fight oh, anymore after I, that I long. At that point, I hate, I hate <laughs> saying this, but at that point, I honestly wanted to go home before I got in the cage. I was just so tired. And then like, they were like, all right, you're up. And I'm like, oh Jesus. Like I, I just was like, not, I wasn't there. I, I mean, when we were like on our way, I was ready to go, but I, I was just not there. Like when we were fighting, I mean, I'm again, I don't take shit away from Cody Matthews. Cause I watched that fight back a few times and I'm like, I mean, you know, like it just—it is what it is. And I think honestly, he had more attributes anyway going into that fight. But uh, the only thing yeah. that also bothers me about that fight—I thought that stoppage wasn't like fair because the ref was like, "Oh, well, you weren't defending yourself." I'm like, I—I I don't know what you mean. Like, I, I was blocking my face and trying to hip bump him off because originally I'd find that's the only time—the only advice I really remember hearing from Professor and Tom that night was land the first punch and then. Uh, Eventually, when I was on the when I got mounted and basically getting my face like pounded in, I do remember at, like once mm-hmm. it finally came to fruition, I was hearing go to the cage and climb up, and that's when I was trying. If you watch the video, like you can see me trying to work my way to the cage, even though I was kind of far from it, but I'm still moving. I'm still making progress towards the cage. But then they stopped it and they called it a TKO. And then, you know, it is. I wish he just would have made it to round two, but I, I don't really try to dwell in the past mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Um, what what? Let's say, would you like to do your first pro match? Would you like to do the Shogun route anywhere, or a- anywhere, anywhere? Anywhere doesn't matter. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that there was a point. I don't. I'm not going to say who. I I almost did sign my first pro contract last year, and but um, I honestly didn't like the terms, and I didn't. They sent it, but I didn't actually sign anything, so nobody can like hold anything legally over me other than a verbal commitment. And once I saw the paper, I like contacted my mom and my and my coach and told them and I was talking to my mom. I hadn't even heard anything from my coach at the time. And I just said, I don't want to do it. 
And then my mom was like, no, we can I'm like, no, no, you're not hearing. Me. I was like, I don't, I don't like the terms. I've, I'm, I'm a, I'm an, I have nine amateur fights. All my fights are finishes that I've won and all the fights I've lost that I put on a show. So it's like, I, I just kind of feel like in a sense, I do deserve more. And I've, I've talked to other professional fighters that made their debuts and they make, they, they, the money that they get paid for a debut is what I expect to get paid is what they get paid. And when I wasn't getting that, I was not willing to settle for anything less or more. Like they, so also, no, you're oh, good. sorry. Um, is Sergio your manager too, or you have uh, another I would, separate? I would say, I mean, I would say, I would say maybe co-manager in a sense. Yeah. Like I, I definitely go to him for advice about that kind of thing. Cause you know, he's been in the game for over 20 years, so he knows what's, what's legit and what's not. Mm -hmm. And I also talked to uh, mm -hmm. Tom Tracy, big Irish, and he, he helps me. He's mm -hmm. been in like a, a corner of almost all of my fights and I'll talk to him and, you know, uh, and also another person I'll talk to, Mike Jenkins. So like, I don't have a manager, but I definitely run it by people who have experience in the game or just know like what's legitimate and what's not. And I didn't, it didn't take a rocket scientist to look at the first contract I got and, not, and like take it. Plus like it was out in like, like in Midwest or not Midwest, but like it was more like Central America. So I'm coming out to them to do a fight and I just wasn't okay with the money. Like, honestly, I was, I would be better off taking a fight on the East Coast and making more than going out. Cause I used to be told that if you fly out to like other states, they'll give you more money and they'll accommodate you more. But that was certainly not the case when I saw that contract. So all right. So what have you had any rough like weight cuts or are you pretty much good? You know, by I that? I think the roughest that? weight cut I ever had were probably two. Um the first one I, the first rough weight cut I had was probably actually going into the Cody Matthews fight because uh, I just had some personal things going on around that time before the fight. Again, like not taking anything away from Cody Matthews or even that fight. But uh, I remember like I was on a good weight cut and then I had gotten into some stupid argument with like my, one of my former roommates at the time. And I just like kind of like mm -hmm. snapped and ate and like, you know, I like, kind of broke my like regimen. And then, like, I remember I mm -hmm. forced myself back into it. And when I weighed in for the Cody fight, I was 129. And then, uh, and, you know, and I fight at 35. And that's a huge drop. And then also uh, my nice. my other bad weight cut was probably the Jason Tiplodos uh, fight. Because I remember that fight got pushed back twice. It was a Cowboy, series, mm -hmm. Cowboy Fight Series 2. That fight got pushed back two times. Mm -hmm. It was... Uh, the first time it was because Donald Cerrone kept fighting, which we love him for that. But the first time I was like, okay, I mm -hmm. was like, you know, no big deal. I'll just redo the weight cut. And then I redid it. And I got told that he took another fight and the event got pushed back again. And I remember thinking like, motherfucker, like again, and I, and I didn't have to do that fight. I could have just said, no, thanks. We're not going to take it, but I wanted to do it. And I remember like, as mm -hmm. I was at fight weight, I said, I'm just going to stay at fight weight. And I stayed at that weight for an entire month, but then it was starting to kind of forcibly go up past like my like my fight weight and then I kind of had like a weird balance and I wasn't really like taking care of myself to a point I was just constantly looking at a scale like almost every day like every six hours and I ended up at the fight I ended up weighing at like 132 so the, I would consider those two to be my worst weight cuts all the other ones have gone fine so what what kind of advice would you give somebody to who wants to make the transition and do MMA? Uh, Would you have any advice for an upper yeah, comer? For sure. 
Um, I think my main advice to anybody who wants to get into MMA is uh, be attentive. You got to train. It's just, it's just kind of like the basic stuff that anybody, like you got to want to do it. Like I I don't understand people who want to go in there and do it for fun because you're going to face somebody across the octagon that's not there for fun. And that's going to be the guy that leaves the biggest mark on your face. But my, my main thing would be is uh, work all, work everything, work your jujitsu, your wrestling, your striking, and, you know, just, and stay in shape. That's another thing too, is like people just, I just think it's things like that. You just want to kind of stay in shape, be attentive and just really be uh, reliable on yourself or hold yourself accountable. You know, it's like at the end of the day, it's really you making all the choices and the steps and stuff. And that's one thing I wish somebody uh, would have told me at first, but yeah, I guess that'd be really the only advice would be that. Yeah, that's that's really great advice because I remember my first fight, me just drinking Budweiser's and, and Yangling. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You fought heavyweight, and, didn't you? You know what I mean? Yeah, Man. I fought heavyweight in the heavy in this this proof in this this second guy, and I think he was like second in yeah, Virginia. Yeah, he was. I remember. I remember that was huge. And he stomped my foot out. So so that taught me I got to be more dedicated if I want to make right. this series. <laughs> Stomp my foot out real I bad. I remember that. <laughs> but um, what I was about to ask you: Do you still uh are into the CrossFit thing? You know, um, actually, after my second Cody fight, I think is when I stopped going. Like I, I, I go like very rarely on occasion. Um, to be mm-hmm. honest, between CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, and Muay Thai, it took a huge toll on my body. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I like. I, I don't, I never felt like I was getting any better, like anywhere, like nothing was getting better. It was like, because with CrossFit, I'm not saying that you can't do CrossFit and MMA at the same time, but you really need to, I think it's easy if you don't have a job. Like if I, if, if MMA was like my full-time job, I think I would definitely go back to doing CrossFit more regularly. But, uh, but no, I don't, not as much as I once did. Mm. So, have you watched any fights, any uh, UFC fights all lately, time. or all the time? No. Oh my god! Away yeah, from no, me. no, never. What do, What do you feel about that that uh, Michael Chandler fight? I thought oh, that was I, amazing. Oh, I, I, you like, know, that fake double to the hook, <laughs> like that was dude, ridiculous. I, I did see that, and I, I thought honestly, the way that that fight, I actually kind of thought that's how the fight was going to go was that Michael Chandler was going to knock him out in the first round, and nothing against Dan Hooker at all, but I just don't think. And this is like, I don't want to sound like I'm insulting the, uh, the MMA IQ of fans or anything like that. But when, when people, uh-huh. like, I remember some people even came up to me like, oh, how about that Michael Chandler? He seems like the real deal. And I'm thinking, and I remember when I heard people say that to me, I'm like, you never heard of him before? And they're like, no. I'm like, D- really? I'm like, he, he's beaten the hell out of world-class guys. He beat Benson Henderson twice. Eddie Eddie Alvarez. Alvarez. Like he, he's like, he's, he, like, in my opinion, he's like the, uh, the face of Bellator for years. Like I, uh, him and uh, Patricio Pitbull, right? Askren. And Askren. I like Askren held his, held his, the belts for a long while with yeah. Bellator. So um, what do you think about, what do you think Connor's next move is going to be? You think it's gonna be the DS three or somebody uh, from the past? You know, if I'm Conor McGregor, if if I can get the DS fight, I think the D. I if I'm Conor McGregor, I'm going after Justin or I'm going after Nate because there's money and a trilogy all in one. I don't think. I mean, granted, we all know he lost against Dustin Poirier, but I think he he's in a winning spot right now because, uh, 
you know, just like do a situation. But if I'm if I'm Conor McGregor, I would probably actually I think go with Dustin Poirier for the trilogy. And plus, I think it puts him back into talk for being a title contender. Okay. Um, what what are your expectations for the remaining year and next year? How many fights would you like to do if the pandemic was gone? Oh, if the pandemic Done. was gone, I I, I would have fucking definitely had my debut already. Like we we you know before this pandemic hit, Tom Professor and I we we had it all down. We you know honestly we got reached out. We like I mean like all the top regional promotions reached out to someone that was affiliated with me to to work on a debut. And it, it it's like mm-hmm. if, the, if I were to honestly, I don't want to name drop, but if I were to, you'd be like, oh wow, they really did, and I would say yeah. But I think what happened was is that like once the pandemic hit, it wasn't so much that it was harder to get like fights, but I think what happened was we might have honestly waited a little bit too long, and I think like other fighters just kind of took it, which is fair, you know, if it's their time to do it, it's their time to do it. Mm-hmm. But we also like Professor Tom, myself. And whoever else we we're gonna bring with us, we just gotta make sure everybody's schedule is kind of like you know, plan to make sure that nobody's like, you know, nobody cannot make it or can't be present or whatever. Like, like I don't want anybody to be unattended. And the only time that and the only reason Tom's only been there for almost all my fights is because when we took uh, when I took my my second title fight with Yavani Rodriguez, uh, he, Tom already had a golf trip planned ahead of time and didn't remember, but, and, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal. It is what it is, but like, that's just one thing we definitely make sure is that we all make sure that like everybody can make it. That has to, everyone that's important that has to be there will be there. That's like always our goal. And uh, 2020, our, we, we, we all were shooting for July, August, and it just fell apart, which was kind of sad, but you know, all, upwards and onwards. So is it hard to find a lot of uh, trade partners at your size or it's pretty much easy at it's, your job? At your it's it's actually really difficult. I, I don't have – not. I mean, there are some, but I think uh, – and this is like notice. Well, a lot of the guys that are my size – like, the, well, I'm starting to notice we are getting guys my size that are starting to come in now, but uh, they're mm-hmm. newer. And, I mean, and it's nice because I can actually kind of like try other moves and like combinations and just try new things because I – a majority of the things that I do, I can't even try on the people I train with. And I mean, you know, we work it out to a sparring percentage and, you know, like, like height advantages, like height disadvantages, weight advantages, weight disadvantages. Like, you know, if I ever need something from like, you know, some of the other, like heavier guys or whatever, they'll, they'll help me. Like I've never been told no or anything like that, but uh, to a point, to mm-hmm. a point it is difficult, but I also kind of find it a little beneficial because anytime I've gotten in there with some of my own size, it's just like, it's like, it's not like training at the gym. It's like, yeah, I'm actually fighting, fighting some of my own size, but it's like, like sparring with somebody say like 170 or maybe even a little lighter than that is like harder. Like sparring with them is harder than being in a real fight with some of my own size. Cause I don't have to worry about like hitting someone too hard or like, like hitting someone like a spot that I could have like, you know, like I don't have to worry about easy, holding anything back is really what I like about it. So it's kind of like a challenge within itself. And plus, if I get blasted by someone bigger than me, it, I mean, it sucks, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's like one of those things where it's like, I was able to take that. Some of my own size isn't going to be able to hit me that hard. But it, but it is smart, though. You, y'all know how to, you know, what is a light sparring day or it's a hard sparring day. I know Sergio, 
keeps the control so you don't take too much damage around training camp. Oh, yeah. Training in general. Always, definitely. But, uh, you know, this is the end of the podcast. I know I appreciate you on here. Can you give them your Instagram or whatever you got going on right now? You still doing the comedy videos? No, not as much. Um, It's funny. The one one that everyone – I can't even believe how many people reached out to me about that that roommate (laughs) one. That one was kind of a surprise that that many people reached out. Uh, That wasn't even planned. I was actually just so excited that they – like, if if I were really to tell everybody, like, the the, the chronicles of my roommates up until the point they left, they would – everyone's jaws would be dropping and everyone would be saying, oh, wow, damn, and stuff like that. So I'll never forget. Just yeah. to, I'll make that story super quick. Like, I was uh, leaving the gym, actually. On my way home, I got a call mm-hmm. from my landlord, and he's like, hey, you're, he's like, your buddy's moved out. And I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, I was like, I don't know exactly what he means, but I'm hoping he's saying what I think he's saying. I'm like, are you telling me that so-and-so and so-and-so left? He said, yep. And apparently what happened was they tried, like, like to make a long story short, they tried so hard to say they were never going to leave and they weren't going to move out, but they ended up just mm-hmm. leaving without telling anybody and, and like trying to like be sketchy about it. It's like, we even offered them a buyout. So it's like, I don't understand why they went out of their way to make it so difficult. Like, no, like we were trying to make sure that everybody could, you know, like it didn't have to be the way it was, but the video was like, was on the spot that nothing was planned. I just knew that I wanted to hold a fake press conference with my cleaning supplies in the house. Like, cause I mean, Jeez. I'm not going to say they were dirty. They weren't like always dirty, but they just thought they were so much more cleaner than everyone else. And that just was definitely not the case. And then they also tried to say that, like, I didn't do anything around the apartment, which is not true. Well, it's the end of the podcast, man. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, man, with Frank I did. Pasco. Thanks for hitting me up, brother. I really appreciate it. Man, I, I appreciate I appreciate sure, you brother. being on here, man. You know, I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> brand new to the podcast, yeah, man. I'm trying I'm, my I'm, best. I'm really you know excited. I mean? Yeah, dude. I'm glad you got into this. This is fucking fun. Maybe I can catch you on the map. Come on in, today. brother. Our hours are ten to twelve. <laughs> All right, man. All right, man, have a good, safe, man, pandemic. Be safe. Goodbye. All right, peace.